Manscaped is here with a deal you can't pass over this Easter season. They've got the tools to give you the beautifully decorated eggs of your dreams. Just because it's Easter doesn't mean it's okay to hide those bad boys between all that tall grass, so make sure your downstairs lawn is mowed. Get yourself feeling as sweet as candy by going to manscaped.com and getting 20% off plus free shipping with code EXPLOMINATE. Guys, the Easter Bunny dropped off an extra special gift this year with the Lawnmower 4.0. It is waterproof and equipped with an LED light so you can keep eyes on those eggs even in the dark. And I could never go back after using it. It's amazing. April might be for Easter, but it is also Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for the most common form of cancer in men ages 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of their We Save Balls initiative. That's something we at Explominate are absolutely in support of. So please consider supporting Explominate and Manscaped and save 20% off and free shipping with the code Explominate at manscaped.com. That's right. 20% off and free shipping with the code Explominate at manscaped.com. Hop into the best deal of the year with Manscaped. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Explominate Podcast. Welcome back to the Explominate Podcast. I am your host, Rob. And joining me again today is Trexy. Welcome back, Trexy. Hello, good friend. How are Hello. you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for being here, buddy. Did you uh, did you drink the right tea today? Is that what it is? Uh no, coffee. Uh, I keep promising to stop drinking so much coffee before the podcast because I lose my train of thought and just talk gibberish. But um yeah, I've had two cups of coffee again, so here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> All right, Ben, welcome back, Ben. Thanks, Rob. How you doing? How's it going, I'm, mates? I'm, I'm, I think we're both good. I'm I'm excited actually because I think Drexy's like he's like cocaine level of caffeine, so I think we're good. <laughs> we're gonna have a great <laughs> show. <laughs> so, hey, there's a lot to talk about. Actually, you know, well, there is and there isn't, right? So. The wild thing is in the world of strategy games and Forex games is that there's a lot going on, but nothing really releasing except for Oceana. You pronounce it weird. How do you pronounce it? Say it again. Oceania. Oh, Oceania. Yeah. Oceania. Oceania. Yeah. Oceana. See, that's Oceania. There's an I in there. I know we don't pronounce that. Oceana. Oceana. Oceania. 
I, I can't even do that. I can't even. I literally you cannot go, you say got it, it. You got it. Yep. I know, but I can't say it the way you guys. So, anyways, that is the newest and first DLC for Shadow Empire, and Ben has been playing it a bit, not as much as he'd probably like to, but he did a little like before you buy thing for the site, and he's also been a beta tester, which I know he can't talk about the beta process, but he has been playing it enough to. I want. I want to pick your brain a little bit about it because I've seen some various, like just I guess wildly different perspectives that i want to kind of see where the middle ground is and i think you'll you'll provide the middle ground so what, what do you want drexy i we did a live stream where ben tried to teach me how to play and i still don't have a clue although i did play some of that game a bit more today i am slowly getting into it but i think i'm gonna restart and try again but yeah I still got questions for Ben at some point. <laughs> yeah, I think Shadow Empire is probably the one game I've restarted more times than any other game because I'll get through like maybe an hour and then I'll be like, okay, all right, all right, I screwed this up. Let me try it again. And then I'll I'll play it again for like two or three hours and I'm like doing better. And then I, I realize I've made a mistake like, you know, at, at minute 12 and I, I have to go back and restart. And I, I enjoy the process. I do. But unfortunately, it's so time consuming that I just haven't been able to get back to it. And I've always said this, I, I think I've probably said this like a hundred times on this podcast that one day I'll make the time, but it hasn't been recently. It hasn't been, it hasn't been there yet. So, but there's also other things I want to talk about because they did Galactic Civilizations for the Supernova expansion was officially announced and they're saying an early access period in April. So at some point in this month, we're going to get early access, which is pretty cool. And there's a lot of changes to that, that I think are like well needed and really kind of seem like they have an idea at least, or, you know, they appear to have an idea of what needs to be fixed with Galsip 4. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And then there's also, what was it, Age of Wonders 4? Yeah, that's a big one that's coming up, and I want to talk about that too. So, hey, where do you guys want to start? And then we want to talk about, like, I think the topic for tonight is going to be what draws us to strategy games, like what makes us keep playing them. Kind of a, a broad subject, but I just wanted to kind of, like, touch on why it is we come come back to these games and why we give a shit and why we have a podcast <laughs> and a website and we write so ask I, I myself that all the time why the hell do we have a podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i don't i don't need your lip all right you stay over there all right well anyways so where, where do we start do we uh, you know i want to pick your brain actually ben i'm going to put you on the spot here and and tell me about oceania there you go you got it thanks well uh, just call it tomato, mate. <laughs> Shadow Empire tomato. <laughs> uh, I mean, tomatoes Oceania. are mostly water, right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Jimmy can't pronounce them properly. Oceania is the first DLC. It's the first paid DLC for Shadow Empire. It's, I think it's important to note that when we're looking at this, Vic has basically been supporting this game for free for about, uh, when was it released? 2020? Or was it 20? Yeah, 2020. 2020. So it was 2020. And he's been working on the game for four years before that. So he basically put out several kind of DLC contents worth of stuff just for free anyway. And I think the game sold quite well. So he was, you know, kind of able to do that. And I think it was always the intention for, you know, that early content to be uh, free content for the game. So he added the the Air Force stuff and uh, he added some more planet classes and the uh, alien life, you know, the sort of like the sentient alien life. He's constantly been putting stuff out. And I think he's f finally put out his first paid DLC which is this ocean Oceania thing where he's basically has added seven, I think, new planet classes. Is it seven? 
yeah, there's, there's, I think there's seven. So like, there's a whole bunch of new planets, and they're all ocean-based. So they're water worlds with continents. In the previous Shadow Empire game, it was mostly land, and they were, you know, dotted with these large, almost like lakes. But all the land masses were all connected, so you know there was no way to traverse across the water. In this game, there's no controllable navy, so you don't build ships. Instead, you have these uh, this kind of abstracted thing where you've got these things called the maritime trading houses and they represent these shipping companies stroke pirates stroke kind of like you know military navies that are kind of playing their own game of shadow empire in the background so they're trying to vie for control of the seas and they're trying to play off the major factions the ground factions against one another a little bit in order to kind of in order to, to defeat their enemies I suppose you know defeat then their rivals on the sea they're trying to get you to give them money and you pay them for certain things like you pay them for exploration if you want recon on a you know on a, a separate island or a continent you can pay them to do that uh, they've explored the planet where you haven't so they will they will trade information for you uh, with you for money and uh, you can actually use them to do naval invasions as well so i think uh, this is the first bone of contention with some people that they were they were hoping that vic was going to include controllable navies and We've already heard some pretty good arguments as to why this might not be a good idea. I don't know if you remember, but Daz Tactic until Tuga Power were talking about it on the on the podcast one time when we were talking about Shadow Empire. And Daz once wanted the Navy stuff and Tortuga said, please don't add it because it sucks. And, you know, based on, you know, what Vic had previously done with Advanced Tactics Gold. Now, some people thought the Navies were cool in that and other people thought it was the weakest side of the game. So I think Vic's been a little bit cautious to just add controllable navies you know where you just you know in the same way as your land units you just kind of build these counters uh, that represent naval units and you push them out over the sea that's not very realistic anyway that's not really how navies work they i mean you rubble know he's a military guy like navies kind of work by projecting power through missions you know it's in the same way the air forces do they don't really exist in any one you know over a course of a month they're not just sat in one hex worth of water they tend to you know they send out ships in different ways they, they'll be sending them out on patrol routes you know, if there's a, a, hunt, a seek and destroy mission, they'll be given a very specific thing to go and do, but they won't be sat in one place. So having, to me, having counter-based naval control in a, turn, in a land-based combat game, for the most part, just doesn't work anyway. And the way that he's implemented air forces is kind of different. So I don't know, we were, we were always expecting him to do something a little bit unusual, but I think the maritime trading house thing is you know a step too far for a lot of people they uh, i've seen some criticism where they feel that it's kind of taking control away from the player i completely disagree i think it's totally the opposite i i think that what this game has done is shadow empire at, on the very largest maps could really turn into a very very large game where you are pushing hundreds of counters around dealing with very very large armies you know, you might have dozens and dozens of zones, you know, cities to control and to to manage. It was very, very big and unwieldy at times. And if you're into that kind of thing, then that's fine. Like, I love that, but not everyone does. And I think what Oceania has done is cut down the landmass size and it's replaced that sort of wide gameplay, you know. If we're going to take the 4X thing about tall and wide and abuse it a little bit, we'll, we'll apply it to gameplay instead. It's It gives you taller gameplay because you've got less, con you've got less stuff, you know, to move around. You're going to have smaller you know a smaller nation but there's the overall strategic considerations that you've got to consider now in order to be able to win are much bigger because you you've got to play this maritime trading house game you've got to figure out which one is winning which ones are close to you that are strong enough to be able to survive the course of the game that also like you enough that they're going to be able to do things for you for cheap they seem to eat money so you've got to 
you have a really strong economy in Oceania. So the, the game just plays differently. It really encourages you to do more of the city building, more of the industrial development. And then you've got to play this kind of mind game with the uh, with the maritime trading houses where you've got to try and figure out who is going to be, you know, the top of the game. Because if you've invested all your, you know, all your money and all your time and energy into a maritime trading house that gets defeated and the other ones don't like you and the other, you know, factions have got a strong control over them, then you could be in a real big problem. So it actually really opens the gameplay up in a big way. And it's much more, I think it's much more of a grand strategy game even than it was before. So yeah, I'm, I like it. I think it's amazing. It's just exactly what I want. I like these abstracted systems. You know, I like the idea that it's drastically changed the gameplay. Nothing has been taken away from the base game. So if you buy Oceania for £8.50 or $10, whatever it is, you know, it's pretty cheap. And then you end, you end up getting a whole new set of planets and this whole new system to engage with. But you don't get controllable navies. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that, first of all, I don't think naval combat or naval anything really has, done, has been done well in any Forex game or even really any strategy game. I, can't, I don't remember a single time where I was like, yes, naval units, those are awesome. I mean, from Civilization to some of the combat games, like some of the war games that I've played, and maybe through real-time strategy games, like, actually, I can't even think of a single real-time strategy game. Like, something as abstract and silly as Command and Conquer, maybe, but nothing realistic, and certainly nothing as deep and widespread as a game like Shadow Empires. I've just never enjoyed naval units. So... For me to hear what you just said, I think that sounds like a much better way of implementing that system or like a sort of naval system in general than having, uh, you know, dozens of new naval units and, and also upgrading them and researching them. I just, that doesn't sound fun to me. And so what you're explaining to me and, and that system, you know, with, with the maritime trading houses and stuff, that sounds way more cool. Like the abstracted, you know, almost like just having this like third-party group that you're interacting with that has control of the seas really and you can interact with them in the ways that you want to or don't want to and that they can provide intel and stuff like that that sounds way cooler than in implementing an entire naval system and you know i know there's gonna be people out there they're gonna like write in into the exploring podcast telling us we're all stupid but i i just don't need more I'd rather have something that try something different and that sounds like it actually like it sounds like vic's actually trying something different and I hate when people respond to stuff like this when when they get all upset about like, you know, that's not my it's not what I want. You know, oh my God, you didn't do my naval units when it's you know, there's some creativity at at play here. And I like creativity way more than I like filling a box. I think that look, I don't mind naval units providing they're done well, but like Rob, I can't think of a single game where outside of Command and Conquer, where the the naval units really were just they were just exactly the same as the normal units, except they were just constrained to the water. But usually in these land-based combat games it's difficult to do like all the great war games that use naval combat apart from gary grigsby's uh, war in the pacific which is a really good game but it's super complex other than that they're usually real-time games because trying to constrain naval operations and air operations to turn-based stuff just doesn't really work it's not very realistic now okay you might argue that the way that shadow empire has these massive hexes that are meant to represent like 200 they're like 150 kilometers you know each hex length so they're large areas much bigger than any other war game and you know well how do military units find themselves in that you know land units find themselves in that kind of big area uh so you might make some argument that you know naval units might be like that but i agree with rob i think this is a more interesting elegant solution vic has not ruled out controllable navies 
I, I do I have got a bit of background information on what might be coming and I can't say it because you know I don't I don't think it's under NDA but I don't think I think Vic wants to I don't think he's made up his mind what he wants to do and he, and he kind of said this in public that he goes look I have said that I'd like to add controllable navies I'm also quite it's quite common for me to change my mind so I don't want to promise anybody anything at this point and I think that's really fair but I think he you know the intention is there for to expand Shadow Empire out and it's not just in navies he's got loads of plans for it I've heard some of them some of the stuff that he's got planned is super exciting so I think that this is one element of the game that he had to get in there in order to lay the foundations for stuff and that stuff is not just navies okay it's he's got some plans for some even bigger more impressive interesting forex stuff that i don't think that he would have been able to do if he'd have just gone if he'd have tried to move straight in that direction he had to lay the groundwork so this was a good opportunity to not only get the ocean planets in but also to try some new stuff that he you know that he wants to try and i'm with you rob i think it's interesting stuff i like these kind of abstracted systems and it's this does not invalidate the possibility of um, you know controllable navies but people shouldn't be buying the dlc you know, and thinking that they're paying for a promise, you know, don't do that. That's not what's happening here. You're not, you know, funding Vic so that he can prom maybe promise or not to promise to make something, you know, in the future. Look at this DLC for what it actually adds. And <clears throat> I think if you examine the gameplay, go and watch Daz play, for example, or, you know, watch myself or some of the other, any other content creators and actually check out what the Maritime Trading House stuff is doing. The actual ocean planets are amazingly well done as well. They are really, really well done. They changed the game in such a big way. The DLC is worth it just for those for, just for those maps. Like, never mind the Maritime Trading House content. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that. That's probably like the most impressive part of this DLC. It's just made the map way more interesting for me personally. Yeah, it just looks good. It, it, yeah, it just adds so much more uh, interesting thing. And now you have stuff like choke points and stuff like that or... Maybe areas you have to like, yeah, work with the maritime houses to get to. The other point I wanted to make quickly, which kind of been mentioned, but Vic's been putting out, you know, free patches for this game for like two years, no, three years now almost, well, two and a half, let's say, and it's it's eight pound fifty, it's eight pound bloody fifty. Even if I wasn't playing this game, we, I've only really started playing. I'd just pay that because the dedication and work he's done to this game. Another point I will make is I think a lot of the problem here with some of the negative reviews on Steam is Slytherin didn't really communicate very well about what this DLC actually adds until really, really close to the release. So I think the other the problem is they've been hyping this this DLC for a long time, but they didn't really explain whilst hyping it, what it actually is and what it's not. So I think a lot of people probably got the wrong idea, just bought the DLC and said, hold on, there's no naval units. Ugh, bad review on Steam, which I think is a stupid idea when they've not actually put in the time to actually learn what this DLC adds. Yeah, well said. I mean, look, Steam reviews just attract a certain type of person anyway <laughs> like i know like I've, I've got to preface this by saying i've kind of got a horse in the race with shadow empire now i you know my name's on the credits i'm kind of mates with vic um i i've been beta testing the game now it's really difficult for me to be objective and i think it's important that i say that you know when when you hear battle mode talking about shadow empire now uh you know I, i've kind of got to the point where my journalistic integrity is kind of you know i've got a conflict of interest i think 
And, you know, uh, so I've got I've got to disclose that I do have some conflict of interest with Shadow Empire now. So I can't really do proper reviews, really. However, the, 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 there are, there's only two pieces of negative criticism on Steam so far. That, that, what I'm worried about is that there's not very much positive, you know, there aren't that, that many reviews. Now, either a lot of people have bought and playing it on Matrix, which is quite likely, or, um, you know, there's a lot of been, people being put off by... There's, a, there's like one review that was written by one of the beta testers who was in the beta at the same time as me, and um, I don't want to single him out. I, I really don't like the review he's written. I don't think it's accurate. It's very hyperbolic, and he's... The TLDR is that he's salty that they didn't add controllable navies. So he's come up with some elaborate language to describe why it is that what what is there isn't what he wants. But um, actually, from reading the review, I just think it's nonsense. He's kind of missing the whole point that he's kind of like. So somebody else said that you feel that the the, the maritime trading house mechanic feels like some kind of punishment. You know, it's like it's this it's this thing that comes and demands stuff off you and takes loads of money but actually it's dead it's just super unrealistic and you know that's that's the gist of the review it's like oh it's just really unrealistic and you know you can't control the navy so this sucks it's like man you slytherine were a little bit evasive about what was in the dlc i think not certainly not in in vic's interviews or in the you know tea time with slytherine or anything like that they would straight up about it there it was purely just in the in the blurb and i actually complained about it because i said I actually complained to the developer like Vic, you probably need to talk to the publisher and get them to at least put more of a disclaimer on there because at the moment I don't see one, and it you know it says maritime trading house con- you know conflict, but and and he actually did that. He actually talked to them. I think he was planning to anyway, but and just a couple of days before the DLC went up for sale, they did put a disclaimer on there saying, look, there's no there is no naval conflict, uh, you know, controllable navies. I wish they'd done that sooner. However, I do feel that people people might be just kind of. A little bit shy of getting it because they just feel that they, you know the gameplay is not quite what they want. Like one of the guys in my gaming group that I play multiplayer Shadow Empire with says he's he's not sure if he wants to buy it because he doesn't think it's his 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 kind of thing. And I'm like, give it a chance because this is not like Rob said. You don't need more counters to push around in this game. That's not what this game needs. Um, I think Vic will be scratching his head a bit because people were at, were desperate, including myself, were asking him. We want more trading stuff. We want more political intrigue between the trading houses. Now this is exactly what this has added. So this has added what people want. This is more, to me, this is better gameplay than just another type of unit to develop and push around. I just don't, I don't need navies. I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's an interesting thing to add. We've already got air forces. You know, if you want to get something that, that works in a different way to the, the existing units, I don't think navies would like controllable navies would add much to the game. Whereas the content of what he has added with the maritime trading houses is actually quite dense. Yeah, I would just add on our Discord, um, people do seem quite excited for this and actually like people who have bought the game and never got into it and been uh there's just the interest has been peaking a lot more. I have noticed a couple of people on my uh, Steam friends have actually bought Shadow Empire and the DLC or just the DLC. So I think people are interested is so I don't know why there's not enough reviews. Maybe people just need more time of it. If I mean, if you were not in a beat, I don't think you've really had the time to really understand what this DLC adds anyway. So I, I wouldn't take any notice of reviews that have been done like like a day or two after the release of this because from what I've heard from you, it seems like it's something that you need quite a bit of uh, playtime to actually uh, understand what it's actually doing. So yeah, hopefully yeah. Uh, over time, the reviews, good reviews will come in and we're in a small bubble within the Explorminate where people are really into these types of games. But hopefully, I mean, if the base game has sold well, hopefully 
this DLC is going to sell as well. And like I said before, it's really good to support a developer like this, even if it's not 100% the DLC isn't 100% of your cup of tea, like you were just saying. Let's just wait and see and see how the reviews are, but hopefully it will do well. If you enjoy the base game, even if this isn't 100% your cup of tea, well, you've had two and a half years of playing this game. Chuck him, you know, $10. It's not much. You've had a bunch of patches and... Yeah, I don't know. It's like... Like, I'll, I'll read some of the reviews. I'll read one of the reviews out and I'll give you an example. Right, so there's only been 17 reviews on Steam, which is quite few. You know, the game's only been out for two days and it's not a massive game. And, uh, you know, it is a bit of a contentious DLC. However, I've seen people that I've not seen playing Shadow Empire for a while on my friends list are playing it now. So, you know, but yeah, like, I, I won't read it out. But there's there's one guy left a, a positive review that basically said, um, I don't think this DLC adds very much, to be honest. Um, I've only played it for an hour, but I, I but I couldn't like, the, the, I couldn't see any new units or anything. I put, I bought it to support the developer, but honestly, I don't think it adds very much. So, you know, unless you're a hardcore fan, I'd probably miss it out. And it's like, dude, you've not even played it. <laughs> if you've played it, then you'll you'll see that it does add a whole lot of content. And I really feel that, you know, the there's only two negative reviews and both of them are basically this. It's like, I, you know, I've played it a little bit, don't like it. And I'm just going to try to convince you now that it's not very good because I've, you know, because it's not got the thing in that I wanted. So it's, you know, I think it, that it is jarring to have this Ocean DLC and not to have controllable navies. That, that is a fair point. All right. That's absolutely fair point. If that's what you were expecting, you've not got it. Fair enough. But don't buy the game and then, leave, you know, knowing that and then leave a negative review. That's just dumb. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll wrap this up by saying that I think that both of you have made really good points. I think the the main point that I'd like to make and leave on is that the Vic is, you know, I have absolutely no dog in this fight. Right. So I don't I don't have any relationship with Vic whatsoever. And I, I actually haven't played that much Shadow Empire myself. So I do know that the game has received a lot of support free of charge for the last three years or two and a half years. And that the fact that they're complaining about a $10 DLC that, you know, as many of them actually have pointed out, supports the developer, supports the continued development of Shadow Empire is just mind boggling to me. I just I, there's so much entitlement and and well not even just Steam but just like in gaming culture nowadays that I just I have a really hard time. I mean I that's the price of two coffees. I could just forgo two coffees or maybe not eat you know a protein bar or two. You know and and that's that's not much of an ask in my opinion. So I don't know. I, I I'm not trying to get into that. I'm not trying to like start diving in and like complaining about gamers and and the steam culture but oh i'm up for that now let's do it <laughs> just to just to, uh, to help you wrap up rob one thing i will say about shadow empire is the reviews are very positive all the reviews including recent reviews of the game and you know so and there's been 714 reviews on steam so for an indie game that's pretty big so it's got it's actually doing really well people like it I see people talking about it all the time in different communities. I think it's just a little bit early for Oceania. I think people are getting their heads around it and trying to trying to see what they like, you know, whether they like it or not. But I've had real good feedback on my, on my channel because I, I started putting a new series up and I got way more views on my on my first video than I ever get. Like I got more review, more views on that than I usually get, um, you know, for something you know less popular on Explorminate, which is a much bigger channel so um, i think that yeah it's probably early days we're maybe making a bit of a mountain out of a molehill i think i think this is going to sell well just like shadow empire did just got to give it a bit of time yeah i have like the 
steady flow of people who have, have been recommending that. Like I, almost on every Forex gaming post where it's like, hey, recommend me a new Forex game. Shadow Empire comes up almost immediately, which I'm I'm excited to see. So anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to eventually getting into it and I'm glad that you're enjoying it. And I hope that you know I'm going to I'm going to leave a positive review with zero hours just to offset the bad one, just to spite him. Anyways, that's 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 my spitefulness for one day. I'm gonna do it as well. All right, awesome. So I'm just gonna say this looks pretty and then leave it. Yeah, yeah. I love. Oceans. I hate this game. I don't think it's got anything in it. I've not played it. I just want to tell you what I think's going to be in it. But yeah, yeah I think you should buy it anyway. <laughs> I'm just, mine's gonna say I love oceans. That's it. Literally, I love oceans. Hopefully, there's orcas. Period. <laughs> Anyway, so there's also a few other things I want to talk about before we get into our topic. But like the the main thing that I really want to discuss is Galactic Civilizations IV Supernova, which is the official title of Galciv IV Next, which is the the game that we interviewed Ben and I interviewed Brad Wardell of of Stardock about. And you know, there's a few things that excite me about this that I really believe might push this game into a good category, even great category. I don't know because the things that they're working on that they're really focused on with this. And I think it sounds like there's going to be some things that are just backported to the, into the base game. And it sounds too, and I can't say this for a fact, it sounds too like the idea will be that the supernova expansion will then backport into what's basically the like base game of Galactic Civilizations 4 when it releases on Steam. So... Those are both good things, right? Like I think that the the fact that they're addressing stuff that I've really wanted them to address is good, but also that they're going to take all this like great stuff and then finally put it on Steam. And I believe they they know that they have to make an even better impression when it comes to Steam because there's going to be so many more people looking at it. Let's go over a few things that I'm I'm excited about. I mean, one thing is kind of superficial, and that's just the fact that they're adding five new races. And I'm excited by that because their like can- character animations for this game are well above par, like just absolutely gorgeous. And clearly, a, a page from the Star Control series they took that that just carried over into the Galactic Civilization series. So there's like this new like moth creature thing that's in there. There's like this weird like troglodyte thing that I guess became spacefaring. Um, they're also bringing back the Korath, which have been a series staple for some time. Then there's this like new crystalline being that I think plays an important role in like the grander story that's being told. And then the last one I believe is this like weird all seeing eye thing. So those are exciting because I think, like I said, that the production values on those races are fantastic. And I think that's going to put the game at like 23 races or something. Just some abs- like, abs- like, like absolutely stupid number. Great number, but absolutely stupid. And then the things that they're actually doing that are going to make this a good game are that A, they're changing the survey range. So basically, one of the complaints I had that I didn't realize I had is that you are able to see a lot of the map really quickly in a, in a Galactic Civilizations 4 game because the, the scout range, the survey range of your ships is very high. So you quickly uncover the map and it le- it becomes less of a like a dangerous feel. They're just less of a dangerous feel. They're actually reducing that significantly and also reducing moves because they realized that that the ships were moving too far and there was too much being revealed too quickly. And that's a cool that's a cool balance change and I think that's of course not just expansion. So 
but there's also a very big focus on combat. They're now almost completely overhauling it. And it sounds like they're going to be doing more of a, a numbers system than a like rock, paper, scissors thing. So I, I don't know exactly how that's going to flesh out, but there's a really cool screenshot of them, you know, showcasing the new shipbuilder where you give it a roll, you give it a hull, and then you are given a certain amount of space to be able to put things on it. And that number is basically just put up against other numbers. I don't know exactly how that's going to work. It does sound like they're trying to simplify it to a degree while also making it much more understandable, which I think is important because I don't understand combat and galactic civilizations forward all right now. And then the few other things that I, I noticed that they're also looking at is maybe they're, they're bringing a couple new units and stuff like that, but they're also going to be focusing on the tech tree, which I think does need some work. They're, well, this is something that Brad told us that they're no longer going to have this like random portfolio of technologies that you can research. They're going to have a certain few that you can make breakthroughs on that you're really close to breakthroughs on and you might actually be able to, to research those or you will be able to research those much faster than any other particular research topic. But you you can actually still select. Now you can go back to being you know able to select any technology that you want. And that's a big thing. I think it's important. And then also they're changing the way ideology works. And that it's like more of a role-playing skill tree that you can work towards regardless of what you're doing in the game. Because right now it's very dependent on like the things that you do and maybe a lot of RNG too. So I, I, there's just so many things. I, I can't even, I wouldn't be able to encapsulate everything that I've seen and read, not only just through their dev diaries, but also through the discussions that Brad's been having on their Discord that would, would properly do justice to the amount of changes that are coming. But they're all really good, and I, I'm really excited to see if this will shore up the issues that I've had with it. And you know, I still regret the timing of my Galactic Civilizations four review, and that it was Christmas Eve. <laughs> but I don't regret anything that I said about how pissed off I was that it didn't meet its its potential. So I'm hoping this does it. I'm sorry. Uh... You bore me so much, I don't really listen to what you say, but is this a paid DLC on early access release? I think he's ignoring you now after that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say to any of that. I don't even want to answer your question anymore, honestly. <laughs> what was your question again? I, I, I wasn't listening because I, was I hate your accent. Uh, it's coming... <laughs> <laughs> it's coming to steam right and in yeah. early access i don't know i think that's the case i really do believe because we're coming up on a year and like a couple weeks a few weeks at the honestly if they're talking about early access in april i believe that that the year mark is somewhere in the late april so i could not imagine that they release early access of this new expansion in late april and then they that also coincides with the steam release Right, this yeah, but this is what's confused me. Unless they're releasing the whole game that's not early access, which it shouldn't be because it's it reached the one release, right? In on Epic, I just wonder how people react to an early access game coming, and then is the DLC paid or free? So this is what I think. This is what I think. This is what I think is going to happen, right? So I think this is this is going to, and this is just me spitballing. I I hope that I'm right because I think this is the best move in my opinion, business-wise, is that 
Supernova becomes basically the base game that they release in early access on Steam. So you get the whole version 1.0 and this new Supernova expansion right. as one complete package, or at least the Supernova expansion pack would be in early access, but everything else is like, you know, whatever, whatever. It's, 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 right, all, it's yeah. all one game. As long game. as they're not making people pay for a game and then a DLC on release day sort No, I don't think, think I think that, that might rub people the wrong way. Right, okay. Yeah, I, 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 oh, man, I'm telling you, like if they do that, they're wrong and they're screwed up. But I think that they, they have screwed up. But I think marketing-wise, the best possible thing for them to do would because they've said it's a standalone expansion so that to me makes it sound like the whole game including the supernova expansion goes to steam as an early access game that will shore up what's left to be done with supernova but also includes everything that the base game had and then some of the the benefits of now having supernova and that's that's the version that comes to Steam. And then, yeah, I do believe it's possible or likely that you have to buy the expansion on Epic. But that would be cheaper than buying the whole thing through Steam. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, okay. I think that's what they're going to do. And if they don't do that, then they should hire me and I'll help them market because <laughs> that would be the best thing to do. Anyway, before we continue, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This portion of our content is sponsored by THQ Nordic and owned by Gravity's Spellforce, Conquest of EO. This 4X RPG adventure game has us all wrapped up in its wonder here at Explominate. In fact, our very own Jesse Dean called this game a masterpiece, and he has almost 400 hours with Spellforce, Conquest of EO. So we were really happy to take on this sponsorship. In Spellforce Conquest of Eo, you take over the abandoned tower of your old master, who has vanished without a trace. You discover that he was conducting research on the Archfire, the very essence of magic on Eo. Against the will of the powerful Circle Mages, you follow his path to unleash the potential of the Archfire to become one of the most powerful mages. Will you go to war with the Circle, or force them to accept you among their ranks? For those of you coming back to Spellforce who are real-time strategy game fans, you're likely going to enjoy this one as well because the producer from the first two games is back for Spellforce Conquest of EO. Like I mentioned before, we at Explominate are really enjoying Spellforce Conquest of EO for its unique mixture of 4X and strategy gameplay and also some role-playing elements that we really have enjoyed. So 4X and strategy game fans, those of you looking for something new and different should definitely check out Spellforce Conquest of EO. As you likely already know, it's available now on PC only on the Steam storefront. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. I love Galactic Civilizations 3. I think it's a really good game now. And um, I didn't play Galactic 4 a whole lot because it, it just felt too unfinished at the time. And I, I just don't... I'm kind of losing my appetite for early access games, I'll be honest. So I'm, I really kind of avoided Galactic 4 until it's putting its best foot forwards. Now, I played Galactic 3 when it was you know when it just was released and it was kind of a relatively bare bones game and i know people who came from galsiv 2 really did not like it and um i liked galsiv 3 i thought it was okay but i love it now i think it's a you know after all the the development that has been gone on it it's just such a great game 
And they had to like patch said, out the other day, didn't it? Yeah, they're still patching it. Stardock <laughs> patched their games for ages. You've got to give them credit for that. And uh, just to back up what Rob said, the animation in Galsiv 4 is absolutely phenomenal. Like They've got some amazing talent there at, uh, at Stardock. Uh, particularly with their artists and their, their animators, there are there are few AAA games that look as good as that. If I can't I can't really think of many games that have got you know kind of character animations that are of that that kind of quality. So I, I I wish them all the best. I hope it goes. I hope it does really well because I can't wait to play it. I'm just I'm just want to wait until it's kind of at its you know putting its best foot forward. And Rob, you know, reading Rob's I edited Rob's review and reading it, I was just a bit like, man, yeah, this needs like it sounds like it needs a lot of work. But you know, after talking to Brad the other day, it sounds like they they know what's going on with it. They've 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 got some better feedback about the game now, I think. And you know, after you know Rob and some other people criticised it, I think they've got some more honest feedback, and now they're able to kind of go with that and do something, you know, to to fix the issues. Yeah, I mean, as someone who's has been very critical of the game, I think that, like I said, I mean, I, I just want to reiterate where I think that the things that they're addressing, if they address them the right way, the, if they address them the way that they're saying they're going to address them then I think that we're looking at a potential, like, a, a great game, honestly. I mean, Galactic Civilizations 3, I think, was great, but it was never, like, excellent. It never quite crossed that threshold for me to a point where I could be like, absolutely, Galactic 3 is a game I would recommend any day of the week. Whereas I feel like Galactic 4 could be a game that I would say rivals the best of all of them. So it just needs that love. It needs that development time. And it sounds like they're doing it. And I'm just, I'm, I'm trying not to get too hyped. But like I said, the, the things that I really had a hard time with and that I outlined in my review are all being addressed. Not even just like, you know, a few or a couple, like every single point that I made in that review is being addressed in some way. And that makes me feel very hopeful that this game could be pretty special. I just want to say I love you, Rob, and uh, I do pay attention <laughs> to you sometimes. Okay, sometimes I, I pay fine. attention. Anyway, shall we move on? Yeah, I tune you out anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> it's it's a mutual thing, your buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's two, one other thing I want to bring up too, and that is the Stellar Sovereigns, which is a game that kind of came out of nowhere for us, is continuing to update itself. Like, the, it's, yeah, it's updating itself. It's an AI. No, the the I think his name is Zoltan. I'm pretty sure it's Zoltan. This guy is a monster, man. Like he has been working on this very, very hard. In fact, I'm looking at the patch notes and the patch history here, and I'm not even exaggerating when I say there's probably been 30 patches since release. And these these this last patch, the the first content patch, adds derelict ships that you can find in different star systems and i guess either i don't know if you like actually combat them or actually like i think you combat them and then you take them over which i think is pretty cool anyways this guy is on a roll i think that this could be something that people really look back on and be like wow there's this like nobody that came out with this a pretty damn good 4x game and he's he's outlining some of his like future moves which is to make things more asymmetric which of course sings to me like nothing else does and so i I'm really rooting for this guy. I really am. I'm hopeful that he can he can make this game even better. In fact, he has already. So I'm hopeful that he continues on this path and that he's like taking all this motivation and and can just keep going with it because it's really cool to see. And I know that Vaish Vash Aaron, who's our you know kind of our resident stellar sovereigns guy now, has been in close contact with this guy and he's like super cool and super responsive to all the feedback and stuff that he's getting so 
I'm hopeful. This is this could be like a little Cinderella story that I'm excited to see play out. Yeah, and also uh, it sounds like the like Aaron's actually a UI designer, and uh, I think he was kind of giving some criticism of the UI, and the developer just kind of like was like, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll do that now," and he just kind of fixed it there and then. <laughs> so I think he, he he's like Vic. Like Vic put two patches out for Oceania in the day that it was released. So I think these indie devs, when it's a passion project like this, they're going to be they want it to be perfect, and that's always a sign that the game's probably going to be good. It's not just been pumped out to make money. This is like a passion project. Um, Rob, I want you to give me the Stellar Sovereign sales pitch in about 30 seconds. Like, What is it about this game that we would like? It's weird. It's obtuse. It's unique. It definitely has many more systems. Stop than right most... there, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take it. <laughs> it sounds like my kind of game. <laughs> it has way more systems than meets the eye. Like there, there are many more resources than most 4X games. There's a lot more emphasis on those resources and combat. It's a lot more nuanced than, than most 4X games. Kind of sounds like Imperium's almost in space. Yeah. No, I, actually, I'd say that's probably pretty close. It's like a, a mix of Sword of the Stars, Imperium's and Sword of the Stars. So, and it's, it's, it's like I said, it's a lot. There's a lot to it. There's so much to it that I still haven't really figured it out. So. And I know Aaron, having had like 60 hours with it, still doesn't know the whole game. So, yeah, great stuff. Anyway, there's, there's more to talk about. So we, we are, we're gathered here today to talk about why we like strategy games. Because I think that there's always like that element of like, I, honestly, I just think sometimes as I'm doing this and I'm investing so much of my life and time into Explominate, into these games, and I wonder like why it is that I like actually like them so much. And I was going to pose this question to YouTube because I don't know that Drexy actually likes them, but he plays them occasionally and he can talk about some of them. Whereas I know Ben does like them, but no, I'm kidding, Drex. I know you like them and I know you've been playing them. But like, what what about a game like Distant Worlds 2 or, you know, Shadow Empire or something like that? That what about those games is it that like makes you want to keep playing them? I like all kinds of games and I'm, you know, like this week I've been playing Resident Evil 4 Remake and me and the missus have been playing that and it's just been amazing fun because it's such a well-made game, but it doesn't do the same thing for me as I get from a strategy game. I think that strategy games demand attention and they, de- they demand some kind of brain power from you as well. So if you're the sort of person who, who requires some intellectual stimulation when you, when you are being entertained, you're not the sort of person who just sort of stares at the TV or, you know, you don't want to do that all the time. Then I think strategy games, you actually feel like you are engaging with something that is giving you something back. You're not just kind of getting adrenaline from it or just like the pleasure of seeing a zombie's head explode or, you know, some, you know, 360 headshot you've just done on, you know, like a first person shooter, which is, is a different kind of fun completely. And it's not better or worse. There's something satisfying about the payback you get when you see a well-executed plan, you know, work. Uh, or where you're put under pressure and you have to come up with a with a sort of logical solution in order to get what you want from a situation or to survive even. I think that it appeals to a sort of gamer who likes to have their intellect stimulated, you know, sometimes to a level that other people can't really be bothered with, you know, because you, often when you want to relax, you don't want to be, you know, working out something hard or complex. Not everybody likes to do puzzles, for example, when they're chilling out. And I think that strategy games really uh, cater to that kind of person who have an active mind and active imagination but there are different reasons why people play these different games i was i thought ah i've got the perfect analogy and you just bloody said it so 
Well done. <laughs> I was going to say that, uh, yeah, for me, it's like a giant puzzle where it's got like 10,000 pieces and you've got to think about the whole puzzle as well as the small individual bits at the same time and trying to work out how you're going to make, make this all work together. See, because my brain, I'm very much into like solving problems. So especially like in a game where like Distant Worlds 2 where you're going along, you're fine, and then suddenly the empire, the one empire you don't want to attack you at that point attacks you. Now you've got to pause that game and try and work out how am I going to at least defend myself against this guy and then how am, how am I going to defeat him or at least peace out with him or cause him to peace out as soon as possible because so I can execute my other little puzzle pieces over here that he disturbed. <laughs> so yeah, for me, Forex games are like big picture as well as small picture all in one. And yeah, it's just works for my brain, really. Yeah, big picture and small picture all in one is really cool. That's exactly that's kind of how I see it. You are you've got a, a big picture that you're working towards. You know, you've got your idea of victory, and then you break it down into smaller things like, okay, early game I've got to explore, I need to explore. How am I going to go about that in the turn by turn level? So there are decisions to make turn by turn or, you know, minute by minute if you're playing a real time game and that keeps you entertained. But also you've got that satisfaction you get from executing a plan over the long term. I think that's that's what separates strategy games from things like real time strategy. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I think I'm echoing your sentiments, but I think it's a little bit different than for me. Like I, I find a great satisfaction that comes from mastering system, not mastering them, not even that understanding systems well enough to play it well enough to get the victory or to get to the end game or whatnot or to do well right like so the one game that comes up when i think about like you know actually understanding a game well is endless legend because i played it so much like so many hours uh 300 400 i don't know i don't even know how many hours i know that my like regular steam version is only like 130 hours but I played the VIP version, so like the the closed beta version, for hundreds of hours throughout the course of the game because they would, you know, they would only update that version with the secret stuff. And there was a, a point in which I I understood the game on a level that I think most people don't, and I really understood and appreciated the way that the systems were actually much deeper than they look on the surface and. Then when I when I would like you know play it and in some ways min max it like I would not min max it so much so that I was like fretting over every decision but I knew how to make changes to what I was doing in order to win and that level of mastery that level of like understanding only comes from strategy games for me I mean you can you can play a Halo or you know like a Resident Evil or some and there's a level of mastery like for skills for like your hand eye coordination that feels pretty darn cool too. Like if you're going into like a battlefield 2042 or something like that, and you have just gotten good enough that you can pick up your target quickly or know the weapons so well that you know which weapon works the best in certain circumstances. There's a lot of value to that too. Like, and I, I enjoy that. I do, you know, like Ben was saying, resident evil four is a fantastic game. I like it a lot, but it's a one and done for me. Like I will play through it. I will enjoy the story. I will, I will like the times where I blew the zombies heads off, or I finally got through a, a a puzzle that I couldn't figure out, but then it's done. Whereas I think that, you know, a lot of strategy games, like any sort of 4X game in general really is 
is a game where it takes multiple games for you to start really understanding it. It takes more games beyond that for you to start feeling like you actually know what the hell you're doing. And then beyond that, it takes even more games for you to feel like you're becoming fluent. And when you start to reach that like fluency with a game to, you know, whatever game it is that you, you've finally dove in so deeply with, it really starts to feel satisfying, you know, and it's kind of cool to like share that knowledge or to share that passion and excitement with fellow strategy gamers. But it's also just fun to, to kind of, yeah, I guess figured out the puzzle because it feels like a puzzle in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think for me, it's well, two things. It's, I mean, and this isn't only for Forex games, but when you get to my age, there's some games that have these things, but <laughs> they're yeah. just too fast oh, for me. Shit. But <laughs> Shut up, you. Uh, one is replayability, and number two, which is probably most important, is Forex games are kind of a bit of a sandbox game, really, and I've always been into sort of sandbox games and the games... I've played for years and years and years, like the original, the two original Elite games, for example, were very sandboxy. And I played the first Elite on the BBC Micro for four years. And then again, the Atari ST, the Elite 2, or Elite Frontiers, I think it was called. I played again for years and years and years. And that's the kind of games that really get me where there's just so much depth to them. And it's it's like you're always discovering something new. Something new comes in. Something new. And it's, ah, and you, you all. It's not a static thing. You can always, you can always because it's a sandbox. You can not only does the developer give you challenges, you can actually give yourself challenges as well on how you want this game to play out, and then executing that plan as well as you can, which is. I don't know, it just really works for, for me. That's the kind of thing that really works for me. Yeah, I mean, in that vein, I think that the other aspect of the game, or like a Forex game or strategy game that I really like, especially like a grand strategy or Forex game that really works for me and that really draws me in is like my ability to to kind of role play in some ways, like to kind of consider myself this like overlord that's like, you know, destroying all of my enemies and shit like that. And that brings out something really fun for me, especially in a, in a good game. And, you know, the, the emergent storytelling that comes from that, like the, you know, the, the, that's, the, that's the thing, right? Like, like no matter what, no matter what game it is you're playing, especially 4X, but no matter, even if you're playing like StarCraft, like there's never going to be this, like the games never play out the same way, right? Ever. And there's a lot of fun in kind of replaying that story within your head as you like, you know, continue on and you create your empire and stuff like that. And this is most particular for 4X games, I think. But, you know, that the way that things change, the way that the different variables and dynamics change to create this like cool story while you're also trying to figure out these gameplay systems really does it for me. So, I mean, there's been so many times, especially I, I can remember this as a younger kid with Master of Orion, the first one. And where I was like, you know, like I'd be the Alcari and I just was so swept up in this, like this idea, this like story that I was, I was creating and telling myself about, you know, me being the bird people and being like super, super awesome pilots and being able to like conquer the galaxy because we were just super awesome pilots. And there was a lot of fun and, and basically like kind of make my rivals kowtow to my like overwhelming sense of awesome. There's just very few games that you can create your own story with. and 
that's what strategy does for me. I can create my own story. And more recently with Age of Wonders 4, you know, in my time with Age of Wonders 4, there was a lot of that for me. There was a lot. And that's why I think I've liked it so much. And I've looked back on it so fondly and I can't wait for them to send it back to me. Is it, there was a lot of this like cool role-playing storytelling element that I was like creating. And it was also being created for me, which I thought was really cool that, you know, while I was learning all these systems and learning how to get better with them, I was, you know, experiencing this story that, you know, I had a lot to do with, but also was being created around me. And that, that just doesn't, that doesn't exist in other genres the same way. I want to amalgamate all your points because you guys have been making some great points. I like games strategy games that are sandboxy like what Drexy was saying I also played um, both Elite and Frontier and thought they were great games but Frontier particularly brought up a, a bit of a conundrum for me because after I would played it for a couple of hundred hours I realized that you know the open-ended nature of it I wasn't quite as into that as I would be as if it had a little bit more of a drive so I've started gravitating towards games that require the mastery that Rob talks about you know that, that require you to kind of learn their systems so they've got to be complex enough that they are difficult so you've got some payback for learning them they also need to be sandboxy enough so that you can have multiple ways through the game and it's not going to be the same thing all the time and also the other thing that rob was talking about is this kind of role play aspect this is why i've gravitated towards ill winter stuff because both dominions and conquests of Elysium are really good games for that and distant worlds as well these games where they can be difficult and they can be you know they can be easy depending on how you set them up but they do, they have complex mechanics. So Shadow Empire is another one, you know, complex mechanics that require some real time to kind of like learn to, to play so that when you develop some mastery of it, it's super satisfying. But then they also have an element that allow you to, to role play within and just admire the things that they're creating. So procedurally generated content creates emergent gameplay and emergent storytelling that you don't really get with, you know, a game that's got a, a dedicated story. So I think for me at least a strategy game needs to have those elements that's i'm playing conquest of elysium now more than i'm playing anything else at the moment because i just it's not a particularly difficult game once you learn you know what's going on in it but it's just always entertaining because there's just endless content to play with and i think that the older i'm getting the more i'm appreciating depth of content dwarf fortress is another game that's just so good for that too i think um the reason why i don't like games like civ really is because they're not really sandboxy enough. They're great forex games, sure, but I don't know. There's just not much variety playing a sort of a realistic type game. Until you know, you get... Okay, can I just interject here? I, I I think you're making an excellent point, and I'm gonna let you make your point. I, oh my god, I just did the, the Kanye West thing with, with Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say you had the better video game, right? But but I have the best video. No no. No, and I, I just, I'm going st- to stop as soon as I say this, but seriously, like you're right because there is a linear path, right? A much more linear path than any other game. And that's because you know history. And I, I'm with you 100%. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. Until you get to the scale of something like EU4, then it starts to work because the, the way different nations' history worked and the different things they did during history but i think for games like civ where i don't know it's just it's it was good at the time but it just doesn't give me enough for how how games fantasy and space for its games give me much more freedom i find the the races play very differently as well compared to civ i, I don't know it just 
I just could never really get into the sort of Civ games, and I'm sorry, Old World as well. Just want to jump in, Drex, and just say, like, I think that what the thing about Civ is, it's a very gamey game. It feels like a board game. It's got very set rules. It's got a very, you know, it's got this kind of set trajectory that you go through with the with the way that the the epochs change. You know, the kind of like the time periods change, and so while it is kind of it's not really a sandbox game you're actually playing quite a strict game of you know it's a strict forex game in the sense that you have a very you've got victory conditions and there are different conditions and the later civ games added more depth there like civ 4 had different victory conditions so it kind of got a little bit more sandboxy but it's not really it's not sandboxy in the same way as eu4 so i think that it that that to me plays more like a, a board game with very strict rules you know i guess i shouldn't be surprised that we all like forex and strategy games for the same reasons because i think that the whole appeal of these games are are very much what we're talking about i mean i know that there's people that are like you know system hunters that like to like you ben in some ways that like to kind of figure out the weird and opaque and you know i and i I also think that there's it's the same thing right like you said it's a kind of puzzle but you know, I think you and your type, and I'm not saying that in like some really weird way, but like you guys are even more so excited about like figuring out these very difficult, very intricate, very complicated systems that somehow like, you know, interweave and play off each other. The, there's 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 a type of gamer that really enjoys that. And I I think that you only find that in games like Shadow Empire and stuff like that. So for me, I'm just really glad that there's a lot of us. I think that for some reason, and I'm not exactly sure what that reason is, but there is a reason that actually, there, again, I don't know what that reason is, but there, there's some reason there has been a, a resurgence, an increase in the level of excitement and fandom, especially. I think maybe Paradox has played a little bit of a role in this. Not, I mean, as much as I don't like to say that, I, I think Paradox is mainstreamed strategy games in some ways, but it's really cool to see that the genre is growing and becoming more mainstream and becoming more of a, of a household thing because I like them and that's all I've got to say. I like, I like them a lot. <laughs> yep. I've been like trying really, I keep buying all these war games. I mean, the traditional can of war games and uh, I was always struggle. I just struggled to get into them. And I think, you know, I think Ben was saying because it's, with Civ, it's like a historical thing. So maybe it's because they're not sandboxy enough like 4X games are. I don't know. I've been playing Hexa still this past week and I've been enjoying it, but it's not really, it's, it just doesn't grab me. I'll tell you what does grab me. is building ships in Distant Worlds 2 and trying <laughs> to figure out and making a fleet that will defeat my enemy and just trying to equip them with the perfect thing and making sure they sort of stay, for example, you know, you can sort of either kite or go straight in and what weapons will do this better. It's just, yeah, it's just those, um, I think I need something unrealistic to really grab me sort of thing because it's sort of, like you said, it's sort of like a, well, I wouldn't even say it's because it's an RPG thing. It's just that it lets your imagination sort of run right, you know? Yeah, I don't know what it is about Forex games, but especially like space and fantasy Forex games, really. It's just the, the planning, the, the pre-planning thing is what really gets me. And building the correct army or fleet to deal with your enemy, that sort of thing really just 
gets to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that's normal. And I think that's why we like it all. I mean, it's I do think there's a lot of crossover between Forex and strategy game fans and role playing game fans because I think that in a lot of ways we are role playing. You know, we're role playing an empire as opposed to role playing a sing a singular character. And that is a lot of fun for a lot of people. Clearly, a lot of people play that kind of game. So anyway, Ben, you got one last point? Yeah, just on the point of war games, I think one of the appeals of war games is it brings you into the history of stuff that happened, particularly if you're playing a game that is realistic and was based on a particular battle or, you know, some elements of World War II as they usually are. So I got into Napoleonic games because I bought this uh, John Tiller game. And it was because I was watching Sharp, you know, the uh, Napoleonic series with Sean Bean. And I was like, I kind of want to play a game that's like that. So I got this Napoleonic game and I got well into it. So I bought, you know, these games that were kind of set during the uh, Spanish, uh, you know, the Peninsula Wall. And then I, I spent more time actually researching what was going on actually in the battles, watched loads of YouTube videos, kind of like read, uh, started reading some books, read a load of Wikipedia. And I just got really into all the characters, you know, all these different generals that were bickering with each other and, you know, Napoleon himself. And it, it kind of takes you in. And I think that in order to really get into war games, it helps to have that hook. And that's very different to what you get with a sci-fi game. So I kind of get where Drexy's coming from there, because I think it's it's very much like, you know, you need a little bit of a hook. And I think if your imagination is the hook, that's kind of easier. I will say one thing you did mention there is uh, something that did happen to me. I was watching this YouTube channel, I can't remember the name, but it was all about sort of like the Near East and it was quite focused on their armies and stuff like that. And that's how I actually got into uh, Field of Glory too, is because it's it's basically that period. So I sort of already knew the history of those things and it was like, yeah, what what would it be like playing this army from this period against this army, which never happened in history? So it kind of made that uh, sort of fantasy almost thing for me because you're playing against, you're playing uh, two armies against each other that in history that might have been 500 years apart. So yeah, it kind of that that thing sort of thing really yeah it, that grabbed me as well. So yeah, that that is a possibility. But yeah, for forex games, it's more for me replayability, sandboxy. I'll also add games that don't that you can sort of pick up bits at a time. It's See, maybe this is the problem with I'm having with Shadow Empires is it's quite a lot right from the start, whilst a lot of Forex games, because you're, you're starting off small. Well, you're starting off small in Shadow Empires, well, I guess. But I don't know. I just find it like you, the developers have to make games where you can slowly build knowledge over time, over time. And it's it's like an exponential curve where you could just keep going up and up and up and you just never get bored of it. I think that's what makes the perfect strategy stroke for its game for me. Well, I think Shadow Empire is really complex as well. Okay, that's its worst element, I think. Is even though Vic has put some really cool stuff in that onboards the player, you know, like there's there's little systems that the AI can kind of do for you, like the public the public sector will build you know kind of asset building so you don't have to do all the micromanagement of the of the buildings if you don't want to it builds like militia units to kind of fill gaps uh, there's there's loads of stuff in it like that um but it is it is a you know it's not a learning curve it's a learning cliff as they say you say about dwarf right, and i think yeah. it's i think it's the same with shadow empire like remember like that tutorial thing we did the other day I spent the first hour, I got a sore throat because I spent the first hour just trying to explain it all to you. And then we quickly realized that that wasn't I mean, working. We didn't even do a term for maybe an hour. 
for about an hour yeah and we realized i, I realized like drexy was like i think i just need to play this now because you know you, you can you can try to go through the user interface every single element on that user interface has got about 20 different buttons on it and you know they all do they all show like 20 different elements of things so it's just you know it's kind of like the devil is in the details with games like that and you know compare that to something like total war which is still a relatively complex game but it's so much easier to learn than shadow empire you know or civ is a complex game actually but it you know until you learn how to play it's quite complex but but it's a tenth of the it's a one tenth of the complexity of shadow empire or maybe one twentieth so i think that that game in particularly out of all the games that we play distant worlds is another one that is quite complicated and i think that you know trying to trying to if you're the sort of person who has to figure out all the systems before you can play properly you're going to hate shadow empire so i recommend people just play it don't watch you know don't feel like you need to know exactly what's going on just play it and then make some mistakes and restart like rob was saying because yeah which is what i'm gonna do i'm probably after this i'm gonna start a new game as shadow empires and just yeah try and learn things one thing at a time really rather than trying to learn it all at once just enjoy it man that's the thing this these games are supposed to be fun and i think if they start stressing you out or you feel that yeah, i remember rob saying you know like about shadow empire a while back he's like ah, i don't think i got time to read a 300 page manual and i totally get that <laughs> I mean, that's valid. That's a valid complaint. It really is. And I think, you know, some people really get a kick, you know, like Rob was saying, people like me who get a bit of a kick out of these complex games. I mean, I tried playing Aurora 4X and that is a really complicated game. I do actually quite like it, but I couldn't quite get into it. And that's because there's just not enough help with it. Whereas Shadow Empire, at least, makes an effort to try to help you in the game, you know. I know it is complicated, but it's got some good tool tips. Um, you know, the Vic's made a good manual. Aurora Forex has got, got nothing. There's not even anybody who plays it really to be able to, sh- you know, there's all the YouTubers who do videos, either they've got bad microphones or they can't speak clearly, or, you know, they just they just made really, really bad quality videos. It's like one Quill 18 video that's kind of half useful, but it's for an old version of the game from about six years ago. So, you know, I, I think that like comp- complexity in games really requires good quality of life features as well, you know, and I think some people don't like Shadow Empire for that reason. I think it's good, but like some people find it a bit awkward. Same with Dominions. It's another complex one, and some people don't like the UI in it. I like it, so I think it's just, you know, certain things are an acquired taste, I guess. Right, yeah, so great great conversation, guys. I think this is way more than I anticipated, actually. But Wait, I... did you say anything in this podcast? I, I didn't hear it. didn't hear you at all. You guys going to have another Lewis Tiff on, on air, are you? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe now. <laughs> I thought we were going to actually make nice and finish this up nicely, but I'm going to find a way to like delete things that sound okay. remotely intelligent in the editing process so that you just sound In fact, I'm just going to, I'm just going to make it so that all you say are like syllables for like uh... the entire time. Just, yeah yeah let's see um um um, yeah exactly um, 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 (laughs) just just put that in the whole every time i'm speaking just um uh, uh, um. (laughs) the whole podcast that's all you're gonna say every time it's your turn so congrats anyways this was fun thanks for this um before we wrap up there's a few things i want to talk about before we part ways with drexy forever first I want to thank everyone who has now signed on to the Patreon because we've gotten like four or five new ones in the past month, which I am just flabbergasted by and also just truly, truly honored. We really like doing this and it's a lot of fun to be able to use the money you guys provide us with not only being able to pay for editing and 
pay all this other stuff, but also like mostly it's going towards like this fund that allows us to keep doing Explominate, right? So like the the money you're contributing allows me to pay these authors, allows me to pay Ben and Drexy for editing and stuff like that and really just make everything better. So thank you guys for your hard-earned support. And, or, you know, like and I say that because you guys are working hard, I'm sure, in your life. And then you support us with that hard-earned money. So thank you so much for that. It's really awesome. And it really motivates me and us, I know, to keep doing this and to be more excited and, and yeah, to provide better content because it's cool. And the last thing I'll say, too, is that we are now providing patron-only podcast sessions. They're called, I guess, Explominate After Dark, which seems to be the, you know, the prevailing fun way to call it. But yeah, they're a little bit more loose. They're definitely a little bit more R-rated, which is fun. And if you support us, even at the $3 level, you gain access to these and you'll, you know, yeah, kind of see things behind the curtain a little bit more. We definitely let our hair down a little bit more and it was a lot of fun. So we're going to keep doing those at least. Try, we're going to try to do that at least once a month. And then uh, that's it, really. I've got nothing else. So thanks for listening, guys. This is Rob, Ben, and Drexy for Explominates. Until next time, keep exploring. See ya.